0: And Between the Pipes, your host, George Tetzel! Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Between the Pipes. I am your host, George Tetzel, and this is my first podcast, so everybody please bear with me, and I appreciate you tuning in. Basically, we are a hockey-themed podcast. But we talk about all sports. I, I just happen to have an obsession for hockey, so I try to make the theme around that. But all sports will be included, I can promise you that. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and you are Between the Pipes with George Tiesel. So, I know what you're thinking. What makes me different than all the other podcasts out there? Well, for starters, I'm going to talk about one of the more underrated sports, hockey. To give you an idea of who I am, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Born and raised. Love all Cleveland sports. Ohio sports, the whole nine. I did go to college, but I'm a dropout. However, my buddy likes to tell me I have an honorary degree from Kent State University in business management. Why? Well, that's because I single-handedly managed to keep all the businesses afloat from all the alcohol I had consumed back in my partying days. Every week, we're going to start each episode off with a segment known as Two Minutes for Hooking. This is where I grab your attention with what's going to happen this week. For example, this week we're going to talk about the National Hockey League, Western Conference, Pacific Division. We're going to talk about Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Arizona, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and San Jose. Talk about how many points have been earned, games played, players, stats, so on and so forth. Possible moves in the offseason, and are any teams going to move up or are they going to fall back in the standings? It's no surprise that the Golden Knights bounced back this season after having a pretty rough campaign last season. They were led by Max Pacioretty with 66 points. Out of those 66, 32 of them were goals. Behind him is Mark Stone at 63 points with 21 goals. Riley Smith, 54 points, 27 goals. Marshall Schultz, 47 points, 22 goals, and the Wild Bill Carlson, 46 points with 15 goals. Wild Bill had a pretty good campaign three years ago and it began to slip down a little bit, but that's probably one of the reasons why the Blue Jackets put him out there on the block. They didn't feel like he was going to be that solid centerpiece that they needed to help them go further, which in my opinion was a bad idea because Alexander Wedberg doesn't play very well, but that's just me. Anyways, so those were the top five leaders for points this season. Uh, Like usual, I expect the Golden Knights to carry this on into next season, but I'm curious if Marc-Andre Fleury is going to step back just a little bit and drop off the number of games he's going to start, and they're going to put Leonard in instead because, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury is getting up there in age. He's 36 years old, if I'm not mistaken, which at – yeah, next season he's gonna be thirty-six years old. So for a goaltender that's you know, getting up there not as fast, but he's still a good solid player and he's gonna be a great leader for Leonard to to learn from and, and maybe earn a spot as the starting goaltender again one day. Assuming he decides to stay with the Golden Knights this season. Who knows? Now the fun part. Who is the Seattle franchise gonna take from the Golden Knights? Uh, I don't really know much about the Golden Knights, but looking here at their their ages and salary cap and stuff, you got people like Marshall Schultz who are only 29 and eat up $5 million to space each year. Uh, he will probably be protected, though, in my opinion. Um, so I think that they might go for somebody like Nate Schmidt on defense. He's 28 years old. And he's eating up just under $6 million a year. Uh, I mean, but he can also get protected. It just depends on what they want to do. I mean, they could do what some teams do and and trade away the farm to direct what team they want to be drafted. Uh, Excuse me, not what team they want to be drafted, to direct what person they want drafted from that team. So it just depends on if they're trying to get rid of an older player who's eating up space or are they trying to – you know, get away a younger player that they really don't think is gonna develop into something anymore. So a couple names that stand out here that could be possible guys on the move would be Marshall Schultz could go again. However, he's been a pretty good centerpiece and he's not that old. And then on defense, like I guess that Schmidt is a possibility. He's not that old either, but he's eating up a lot of space over the next five years. And then you got guys who are McNabb and Holden who each have 2 years left on the contract and are eligible to be selected so those are my 4 guys that are possible moves for the Vegas Knights now we're going to talk about the farm a little bit the Chicago Wolves are the minor league affiliate for the Las Vegas Golden Knights their top 5 scorers this season were Lucas Alvines, center 48 points, 12 goals Curtis McKenzie, left wing 42 points, 17 goals Gage Quinney 36 points, 17 goals. Brandon Peary, 35 points, 15 goals. And time again, 30 points on 17 goals. These guys all have real potential and possibilities of moving around. Lucas Elvins is looking like the, a guy who might break it through to get a shot in the majors next year uh, on a possible call-up. He is not even 21 years old yet. He's putting up good numbers. Um... Hard to say, you know, there's quite a few guys on this roster who are young, but not very many of them are young and putting up numbers. Their second highest scoring guy, like I had said, was Curtis McKenzie. He put up 42 points on 17 goals. However, McKenzie happens to be going on close to 30 years old. It's not old or whatever, but a lot of guys break through, you know, in their early to mid-20s, not going on to 30. So... Uh, a couple guys, like I said, I got a chance of being called up are Alvines, Quinny, McGinn. Um, don't, don't quote me on any of those, but I've seen quite of these guys play a couple years back when they played against the um, Lake Erie Monsters all the time, and they always had a really good number on Cleveland. So I, I feel like some of these young names might move up. Who knows? They all might sit down for another year because we know how the NHL and AHL can be. Sometimes they're very... Picky at moving guys around, Uh, unless you're the Columbus Blue Jackets and had 11 different injuries that forced you to call up 11 different minor leaguers. And with all that being said, I can see Las Vegas taking a step back and falling to second place next year in the division, with second place team currently the Edmonton Oilers taking over at number one. Why? I feel like they're going to finally put it all together and get where they need to be. They're not far off from being a first place team, if not a deep run Stanley Cup playoff team. To give everyone an idea of what's going on, I'm currently stationed at North Fort Hood, Texas. I was supposed to pre-mobile here and then go over to my mission overseas. However, the coronavirus found a way to stop the greatest fighting force in the world, the United States Army. Um, I will be doing all my recordings from the barracks, so bear with me. You might hear people um coming in and out, talking in the background, ruckus, whatever the case may be. There's not a really good quiet spot for me to sit down and conduct my podcast. Again, I thank you guys for listening. That leads me to my next point, the Edmonton Oilers. All right, we all know the past couple years they've been on the rise. You know, they they have the player who is the face of hockey in my opinion, and Connor McDavid. The man has averaged 100 points over the past three seasons. This season, he only got 97, but obviously we know the season was cut short by about 11 games, whatever the case. So we're going to go for their top five scorers in review. Leon Dracetto, if I'm saying his name wrong, I'm apologizing. I don't really, uh, I don't pay attention much to the Edmonton Oilers, but he had 110 points, 43 goals. Connor McDavid, 97 points, 34 goals. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 61 points with 22 goals. Zach Cassian, 34 points with 15 goals. And Oscar Boom, 34 points with five goals. So to put that in perspective, the Leon and Connor are at least two steps above their next best player, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Not saying that he doesn't have you know skating abilities or anything like that, but the The guy averaged, you know, he's at a 61 point, which is about what the league average would be at this point in the season, give or take. You're a couple standouts. And even then, you know, McDavid has 36 points more than him, and the next guy is 49 points above him. That's crazy. So the the Edmonton Oilers, like I would said in the previous take, are the team to beat in the West this year. Uh, Well, next season coming up, I should say. We know they're going to put it together. And um, I just have a feeling that they're going to bring it all together. And I would like to see them win. Like I said, I don't really pay attention to them. But they, they deserve something after you know how long it's been for them. Here comes the fun part, everybody. Speculation time. Why do I say that? Because like with Vegas and every other team I'm going to review, we have an expansion draft coming up for the Seattle team. Uh, obviously, we know that <laughs> McDavid, uh, Dracetal, and... Nugent Hopkins are probably going to be untouchables. So with that being said, I could see going off age like I did last time and contracts sitting around. People like James Neal being an unprotected guy who might get the chance to be taken away. Um, Zach Cassian, he you know he was one of their top scorers, but he's 29 years old. He's going to eat up just under two million dollars this year and just over three million dollars for the next four years of his contract. Um, and then we got a couple other guys floating around, like Josh Archibald. You know, he's on the on the books for the next two years, getting up there in age at 27, which is still relatively young. But you know, uh, he's a possibility from offense. Looking down on the defensive side, you got guys who are relatively young and are still on their entry level contracts. But you got somebody like Darnell Nurse, 25 years old. He's eating up. Uh, This season, he ate just over three. Next year, he'll be just over $5.5 each. So he's a possibility on defense that they might let go. And uh, Oscar, Clefbaum. but like I said, who knows? Um, They might go from somebody from the offense. It's kind of rough whenever uh, you got a a really young team. You got to kind of pick and choose who you want to protect and who you want to let go. And then obviously, uh, their goaltender, he's on the books for the next two years. He will obviously be automatic protected, and Mike Smith is going to be off the books. Um, He's an unrestricted free agent, 38 years old. He's probably going to walk off in the sunset and call it a career because that's what he should do. So so now we're going to talk about the farm system. The Bakersfield Condors happen to be the minor league affiliate for Edmonton. Their top scorers this year were Curry, who had 41 points, 24 goals. Benson, 36 points, 9 goals. Bouchard, 36 points, 7 goals. Malone, 31 points, 13 goals. And Gambardella, 28 points, 14 goals. None of these names seem to be popping. I really don't think any of them are going to get a call-up this season, uh, maybe get a couple of looks in um, you know, training camp or whatnot. But with how young the roster is and... Uh, None of these guys are super productive with their their points. Granted, you know, they're minor leaguers. You don't expect them to be super flashy or anything, but you never know. The name that steps out to me personally is their goaltender, Stuart Skinner. Now, the guy doesn't have an immaculate GAA, and he's, you know, in the season, 16 wins, 17 losses. Now, I didn't watch any of the games, so we don't know how much of that is on him and how much of that is on his defense. However, with him being the starting minor league goalie for them and you know the backup is about to leave from Edmonton, that he makes a good possibility of being the next man up to be the backup. So I see him being my uh, minor league call-up for Edmonton this season. With everything being said, I still feel that the Oilers are the team to beat this year in the West – and leading up to our next team, the Calgary Flame, they're going to stay at third place, or are they are going to drop? I have a surprise team that's going to finally get their stuff back together and possibly knock them out of the top three if they don't keep themselves together. The Calgary Flame top five scorers were Matthew Tuchuk, 61 points, 23 goals. Johnny Gaudreau, 58 points, 18 goals. Elias Lindholm, 54 points, 29 goals. Sean Monahan, 48 points, 22 goals. And Michael Backlund, 45 points, 16 goals. Now, I want to make one thing clear: uh, these names that I keep saying for the possible expansion draft are my opinion. I have no inside sources. Obviously, I haven't even read up on any stories to get any of these names. I just look at age, contract, and um, the how well they've produced to their contract. Um, And obviously these aren't people that could just be given away. These are players I assume will be left unprotected as possible targets. Or the draft will uh, will be from a package deal sent from these teams. So they'll trade a first round pick and a player or something like that. And say, hey, this is the guy we want you to take. So we'll send you these things as a little cough, cough, nudge, nudge take this guy from us instead. And I will always go back to the Blue Jackets because I'm from Ohio. Uh, you know When the Blue Jackets traded a first and second round pick along with the contract of David Clarkson, who might have was no longer playing. He was just on the books for a little over $5 million. And the rule is you have to have a certain percentage of your cap space used. So they just sent him away in that package. And in return, they said, hey, we want you to take William Carlson because you know these are the other guys we wish to have protected. So again, all the names I've been dropping and have dropped are just my opinion and nothing going on, and I know that they can't just hand off these players. It's They get the pick up from the unprotected players. Now here comes the fun part. Who is the Seattle expansion team going to take from Calgary? Um, some of the names that step out to me is Backlund. He is 31 years old. $5.35 million. God, I can't talk to you guys. I'm sorry. $5.35 million over the next four seasons. And then another name that stands out to me, as sad as it is for you know uh, a team captain, Mark Giordano is a possibility, 36 years old. He has two years left on the books at $6.75 million. Um, those are possibilities of, hey, let's leave these guys unprotected and either let them get taken or... Or in Giordano's place um, They might package a deal And say hey take this guy off of us He's you know 36 years old He's going to give you guys 13 million dollars On your books for the next two years And honestly he's not a bad Player but he's also you know Not living up to production He has five goals And 31 points So you know I mean he's there for the assists and whatnot. But you know Those would be two people I'd let go or leave unprotected, I should say. There's a handful of them you don't have to worry about because they're all coming off the books next year. Brody, Hamannick, Forbert, and Gustafson are all unrestricted free agents. Same thing with Michael Stone. He's gone. So they're going to have to either sign these guys and then protect them or call up some of their younger guys, and then they're automatically protected because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if you have two years or less of eligibility or playing time in the NHL or... Less than 80 games, you are not allowed to be taken in the expansion draft. Otherwise, a lot of pretty good young guys would be taken left and right. All right, everyone, we're going back down to the farm. The Calgary Flame minor league affiliate is the Stockton Heat. Their top five scorers this year are Gawden, who scored 47 points on 16 goals. Quinn, 46 points on 14 goals. Froese, 42 points on 19 goals. Zarnick. 33 points on 16 goals, and Phillips, 33 points on 15 goals. Now, I'm not a betting man, but uh, with all of the people moving up next season, or I should say unrestricted free agents for the Calgary Flame, I don't know if they're going to bring back all four of the names I listed earlier, but if they don't, I can see Gauden and Quinn both have a good chances of breaking the seal. Gauden played 53 games and had 47 points, where Quinn... Looks like he had an injury of some sort because he had only played 38 games, but still found a way to hit 46 goal or 46 points, excuse me. So those are two of the possibilities uh, moving up, and I don't see Talbot coming back next year. Well, he might be. He's been a pretty good backup most of his, his career. I'm hoping that I am right in saying that he signs again as a backup. He could possibly on his way out the door with that. Being said, I do not see any of the minor league goalies being called up from the Heat this year. Or, yeah, called up from the Heat. Uh, so no their numbers really pop and stand out. If they do, maybe Zagdul- Zagdulin, who had 16 wins and 7 losses with a 307 GAA. It's not superb, but he might get a chance to make an impact with Talbot uh, having the possibility of going out the door. We are halfway through the show with team number four the Vancouver Canucks. Their top five scorers this year are J.T. Miller, 72 points, 27 goals. Elias Peterson, 66 points, 27 goals. Bo Horvat, 53 points, 22 goals. Quinn Hughes, 53 points, 8 goals. Tanner Pearson, 45 points, 21 goals. Here comes the almighty fun part. Who will the Vancouver Canucks Believe unprotected as a possible takeaway from the team in the expansion draft. Uh, a couple names that stick out to me are Lou Erickson, kind of old, thirty-four, has twelve million dollars left on his contract between the next two years. Uh, another name that stands out, Antoine Russell, he is thirty with nine million dollars, or excuse me, six million dollars over the next two years. Um, Tyler Myers. However, he has a no-move clause, so he's protected because he's making $6 million at the age of 30. Like I said, a lot of these are just using numbers and and ages to look around at who's the possible guy to be gone. So there's not really that many guys that fall into the category that could still be taken or whatever the case may be. So if I had to be a betting man, I could see, like I said, Erickson going or... That's about it really, Erickson. Everybody else is a free agent this season or they look like they'd be protected or they fall out of the category where they don't have at least one year remaining on the contract that would fall after the previous season of, or not previous, the next season after the expansion draft. Time to go to the farm, everybody. We're going to Utica to see the Comets, the AHL affiliate for the Vancouver Canucks. Their top five scorers this season were Reed Boucher, 67 points, 34 goals. Nikolai Goldobin 50 points, 19 goals. Justin Bailey, at 47 points, 28 goals. Sven Barshti, 46 points, 13 goals. And Brogan Rafferty, 45 points, 7 goals. The top four were forwards and the last guy's a defenseman. With that all being said, the way... The Vancouver Canucks still have a lot of forwards on uh, contract this upcoming season. They've only got one guy who's an unrestricted free agent. The other four are restricted free agents. Odds are that they'll get their extensions and stay up on the major, the, the Vancouver Canucks. So if I had to be a betting man, only one of these guys has that possibility of getting called up if they don't fill that position with somebody else. Reed Boucher, he looks like he's that possibility putting up 67 points in those 53 games, and 34 goals. You know, it's very seldom do you see more goals than assists, and this guy happens to have that stuff. He's 26 years old, but nonetheless has that very strong possibility. Um, he's also putting up power play goals. He's got nine, and he's got two shorthanded goals. So this man makes magic happen wherever he's going. Again, that's only if He gets the call up, and they don't fill that with another free agent somewhere. Or We know how hockey is sometimes. They like to keep all the professionals up on top, and some of them take forever to bring up their minor leaguers. Another possibility to be a call up is Brogan Rafferty. We know that he scored those 45 points, and there happens to be a couple openings on the defensive side of the puck this upcoming season. We got two guys coming off the books as unrestricted free agents. You know, like I said, doesn't mean that they won't be re-signed or they won't fill up with some more um, other NHL players already, but I'm hoping that these guys get a real opportunity to show what they've got and get that call up to the NHL and make the name for themselves finally. Time to talk about the goaltenders. We all know Jacob Markstrom has been the guy between the pipes for quite a few years. He, however, is an unrestricted free agent this season. I do see... The Vancouver Canucks maintaining uh, control over him for the next couple of years, probably three or four more seasons, that will give uh, Demco time to develop into what they hope to be a good starting uh, goaltender, Transition from that once in a blue moon back up to a more every other couple games to taking over the reins. Um, Mark Strom's only downfall is he had knee surgery back in February to repair men's meniscus he had a meniscectomy it takes three to four weeks to recover if you're a professional athlete if you're an average Joe like myself it took three or four days that's because obviously he needs to rehab and make sure his knee was healthy I had to go back to work and pay the bills so that's what I see happening with the goaltenders is are being retained for a few more seasons and Demko going to work his way up into a starting role not this year obviously but over the next couple of years learn and grow and develop Now to take things to a little bit of a lighter note. Today, Saturday, uh, sometime in the morning, Colby Cave passed away at the age of 25 from a brain bleed. Uh, We all know he had emergency surgery for a colloid cyst that was causing an unnecessary amount of pressure on his brain. Obviously, any pressure on the brain is considered unnecessary. Colby was a native of Battleford, Saskatchewan, and in his career... He had four goals and five assists over 67 games with the Bruins and the Oilers. Uh, he was looked at as a hell of a player. He wasn't flashy or a stud, but he was a good teammate and a good guy, one of the toughest people known to count McDavid. David. So to Emily Cave and the rest of the Cave family, I send my condolences. Um, it's never easy to lose a loved one, especially at that young of an age so i hope everything gets better and just know that the rest of the hockey community is around you and sending our condolences and support so before i go on to the next team just uh a way to let you guys know how i've done this most people do their takes all in one go or they they record everything edit things out or whatnot i i haven't had that luxury I have had to stop and redo takes and put this together piece by piece. Um, Like I said earlier, I don't have a steady time to just sit down and do all this because the rest of my soldiers around me and everything, we would have to stop and go to training. Or like today at noon, I had to stop and we were having a pizza party for our soldiers. I'm a sergeant, so the other five sergeants in the squad, um, we all got together, threw in some money and bought pizza for our entire group. And then we decided to have a Smash Bros. tournament on the Switch. Um, That that was fun. I ended up taking third place or higher in every match except for one. The one match I used Mega Man and I placed fourth. Otherwise, I was using Banjo and Kazooie for my other four matches and I placed three, two, two, and one. I'm not very good, but I just put it out there that I don't get to do all this all in one take. And it's kind of rough sometimes too, doing it by yourself. I'm hoping to eventually get one of my soldiers to help me out or have my cousin join me remotely or one of my other buddies who's pretty uh, hockey-knowledgeable or at least somebody to just converse with because I talk to myself. And it's a lot easier to do this when you've got somebody to to bounce back and forth off of. So, again, I appreciate you guys very much for tuning in and dealing with my chaoticness. I'm hoping to get this a little bit more organized over the next couple of weeks. Um, So, once again, that was it. I don't get to do this all in one take. And uh, I just figured I'd share a little bit of my day with you guys. So after that little heartfelt moment, the next team is the Arizona Coyotes. Fun fact, I have seen 28 of 31 NHL teams play. For whatever reason, the Arizona Coyotes are the one team I did not get the chance to see. They played on October 22nd of 2018 when I lived in Columbus. I really have no idea what the hell I did to miss that game because usually if i haven't seen the team play i go watch the team but anyways um the other two teams would be uh the golden knights or i've seen the golden knights i'm sorry um the national predators and the montreal canadians they both came to town the same year i went away for sergeant school so i wasn't able to go see them i was on lockdown for three weeks and that sucked ass so anyways Time to get started. Uh, We're going to go into their top five goal scorers, or not goal scorers, point scorers and goals, you know, the usual. Their top five scorers this year were Nick Schmaltz, 45 points, 11 goals. Clayton Keller, 44 points, 17 goals. Connor Garland, 39 points, 22 goals. Christian Dvorak, 38 points, 18 goals. And big Phil Kessel, the man, 38 points, 14 goals. Here comes the fun part, trying to use the salary cap and age to figure out what players the possible see-a-later guy to the Seattle franchise. A couple teams, or not a couple teams, a couple players that stand out, age and salary numbers could be Derek Steppen, he's six and a half million dollars a year at 29 years old. Um, Another guy could be Dvorak, 24 years old, 4.5 million a year. Not saying that he's going to be the one, but if they're trying to get a younger guy off the books who maybe isn't living up to the hype, they can leave him unprotected. Uh, Let's see. They also have on defense, really um, Jason Demers, 31 years old, making just under $400 million a season. Uh, I don't think most teams want to go for him or... Not most teams. Seattle would go for him. Thirty-one years old, and after next season, he's an unrestricted free agent. So I'm sure they're going to want to try to take somebody. who has got a few years of control. Either that, or obviously they, they could pay the man. But uh, so I'm not very familiar with any with much of what goes on with the Coyotes team. I just know they haven't played very well in the past few years. With that being said, uh, there a lot of these guys are either ineligible because of their time in service to be selected or uh, they just wouldn't live up to being picked because they're allowed to protect nine guys. You know, the five forwards, three defensemen, and one goaltender. The Tucson Roadrunners are the minor league affiliate for the Arizona Coyote. Their top five scorers this season are Burke with 52 points, 21 goals. Bunting, 49 points, 12 goals. Meal, 48 points, 15 goals. Bennett, 40 points, 12 goals. And Copo Bianco, 37 points, 10 goals. My guess is Soderberg and Richardson will not be retained next year as the two are 34 and 35 respectively and eat up a combined $6 million in cap space. They have two good players in Tucson that could replace both Soderbergh and Richardson and Burke and Bunting. Like I said, Burke, 52 points. He's averaging a point a game. And he also happens to find the net fairly well when there's an uneven number of players as he's got 13 power play goals. Bunting also has a high number of points. He's got 49 points on the season and four power play goals. Uh, these guys are both wings, but we know how a lot of players can move from wing to center and they could work on those things. Burke would have a much more natural transition because he'd be replacing Soderberg at the wing. However, uh, bunting could either learn to play center or there's other players on the Cody roster that could play center and move Bunting the wing. again, these are all speculations. Uh, they could always go out and do the stupid thing and sign somebody. But remember they've only got six million dollars in cap space. So they would have to go out and get, you know, a washed up player or somebody who doesn't put up that good of numbers just hold the spot until these guys are ready. But we all know that the minor league deal sits between eight and nine hundred thousand. Those two come up. They still have, you know, $4 million-ish that they can they can retain and use for other players uh, down the road for contract extensions or whatever. Neither of the goalies are going anywhere. Ranta still has one more year left on his deal after this current season, the COVID season, and then his backup, Coomper, still has two years after this one. Um, is there a possibility that, you know, they could always let one go or – Call someone up to fill a spot. Yeah, but I doubt it's going to happen. Um, I mean, Ranta's been there for a while now, and I just don't see that the goalie's going anywhere until at least after Ranta's contract extension or contract expires. I did make an error. Uh, They will have $9 million in cap space next year, not including the restricted free agents. Um, I originally forgot to include Hall in the mix because he's 28. I kind of had a feeling they might retain him, but you never know, like usual. But the restricted free agents, I did not keep in mind for uh, the possible numbers coming off the books. If you include everybody, it's gonna be about $11.5 million, give or take, coming off the books. But a lot of teams hold on to their restricted free agents or they sign them in hopes that the team that takes them gives up that uh, couple picks or the pick, whatever, they tender them for. So uh, that's that's my mistake, and I'm glad I caught that. So with everything being said, I could see Arizona moving up the fourth place next year and knocking Vancouver down because Arizona's going to have a couple veterans leaving the books, and hopefully those younger guys can make a smooth transition in to helping the team score more goals and make a bigger impact, assuming the young guys move up and they don't go looking out for different talent. The Anaheim Ducks are the next one. Their top five goal scorers this past season were Henrik with 43 points, 26 goals, Raquel 42 points, 15 goals, Getzlaff 42 points, 13 goals, and Sil- Silferberg 39 points, 21 goals. A few names of people that are going to be unprotected for the upcoming expansion draft David Bakes, he's 35 years old, $4.5 million uh, remaining on his contract. I don't see him being selected, though, at his age and the amount of money sitting there. Uh, they're probably going to look for a little bit younger talent. He could be good as a veteran leader, but uh, another name possibly off would be um, Nicholas DelSoyers. He's 29. He's eating up a million dollars a year for the next three years. You know, if they're trying to look for a dude who still has a little bit of service left to him, and for a decent price, um, somebody else I can see going unprotected. He plays well, but he doesn't. He doesn't always put it all together. Sonny Milano. He is only 23, and he's still making his rookie contract. And he's a restricted free agent next year, so it's selected, um, the. The Seattle expansion team will have his rights to sign him, and then if he gets you know, a better offer somewhere else and leaves, then they get all those picks too. Uh, fun fact, Sonny Milano, even though he grew up in New York, uh, he spent a year in the Cleveland area playing for um, a, a hockey team that's known as the Traveling Barons, and he lived in Rocky River and went to Rocky River High School with my friend's little sister. So that's always uh that's always cool. The dude doesn't remember anybody from Rocky River because when I met him and talked to him, he doesn't remember a damn thing. He's like, I just played hockey and went about my life. Yeah, um, don't forget about the time he got that DUI too, everybody, up in New York. Uh, another name for somebody who could go that's going to be unprotected: Andrew Agazino. I remember him when he played for the Cleveland Monsters back when they were Lake Erie, and he played for the uh, Colorado Avalanche because that was the minor league affiliate at the time. He was never a superstar. I mean, he was a fan favorite and whatnot, but I could see him going unprotected and being a possible takeaway at only 700,000 a year. If we're talking a defensive side, um, Josh Manson has a possibility of going 28 years old, 4.1 million a year, Um, or Cam Fowler, 28 years old, with six and a half million a year through 2026. Again, that's just speculation. Uh, I mean, I I was looking up the stats and trying to get better information on the defensive guys other than just goals and minutes played. I wish it would show, like, the shots blocked and, you know, the intangibles of what makes a defensive player a defensive player because too often everybody looks at how many goals and assists you have and they don't look at things like the blocked shots or how much – did you do to break up a play so you got in the way and you you might not have blocked a shot but because you took up the spacing on the ice you prevented somebody from pulling the trigger or you you caused a a player to shoot the puck or pass the puck in the wrong spot and break up the play so i wish they put those numbers out there so that way i could kind of look at the stats and see if these guys are living up to their hype because believe it or not like most podcasters we, we dig, we do our research. I hope we dig and do our research. Shoot, that'd be very misleading of me and everybody else. I try to sit here and read everything as I'm going and figure out these numbers, look up the players. So I'm not just sitting here bullshitting everybody. I dig, and I just kind of put things together. And I know at the beginning I said I was going to talk about trades and all those other things, but I'm not going to speculate too much on that because a trade could happen out of the blue, and those things usually don't happen until the trade deadline anyways. I mean, over the offseason there might be you know three, four, five big name trades and a bunch of nobodies and picks and stuff of that nature. This year I might see a couple more trades falling down the pipe because the expansion draft happening, a lot of guys are gonna give things away to try to focus Seattle to take this specific guy from their roster. So again, uh, I'm just putting all that out there for you guys. Time to pay a visit to San Diego to visit the goals, the minor league affiliate for the Anaheim Ducks. Their top five scorers this year are Sam Carrick, 43 points, 23 goals, Chris Mueller, 38 points, 19 goals, Chris Weedman, 31 points, 9 goals, Justin Kluse, 30 points, 11 goals, and Daniel Sprong, 27 points, 11 goals. To me, after looking at some of these numbers and their ages and stuff, these top five guys really don't seem to fit the, the bill. To get a call up, but again, we never know. There could be an injury, a guy let go, um, something crazy along those lines. Because some of these guys are in that age where they really don't make an impact on the NHL roster. Most guys get their call up at, you know, between 20 and 24 years old. Some of these guys are about as old as me, 27, 28. And they don't really seem to be going up the ladder anytime soon. If I had to take a stab at who might be called up next year based on performance or injury, it could be Kiefer Sherwood. He is the brother of Cole Sherwood who currently plays for the Monsters in Cleveland and has been called up to the Blue Jackets on several occasions due to injury, emergency recalls and stuff of that nature. Kiefer only had 23 points, but of those 23 points, 16 of them were goals and he only played in 37 games. So he's got a good chance to make the impact. He's finding the net. He's putting on what he needs to do. I'm not sure if he's as fast as his brother or as uh, powerful. Cole is a scrappier type of player. I've seen him get knocked out by people, get back up and, and you know, scrap and push people around. So I'm hoping Kiefer's the same way. I haven't watched him play. But if I had to take a guess, again, Kiefer Sherwood would be one of my under-the-radar players who has a good chance of being called up within the next two years. And like always, lastly, the goaltenders. We know that Gibson has himself secured between the pipes for the next five years. Uh, he's only 26 years old, making $6.4 million per season, and Ryan Miller. He's on his way out the door. This was the last year of his contract. 39 years old. Depending on how his relationship is with the team, he might, you know, help out as a, a goaltender's coach or something. And then, you know, uh, down in the minor leagues, there's Anthony Stolarz. Stull- yeah, Stollars, Excuse me, I thought I said that wrong. He's you know, only 25 years old. Uh, he has a good possibility of being called up to become the backup goaltender for Gibson. But, yeah, like I said, you never know. They might try to go out and find somebody or trade for a, a low-tier backup goaltender. But that's just what I think. So, again, Miller's on his way out the door, and Stollers has a good chance of being that guy to secure the backup spot for Gibson. Next up, we have the L.A. Kings. Their top five goal scorers this year were Kopitar, 62 points, 21 goals. Iafalo, 43 points, 17 goals. Brown, 35 points, 17 goals. Dowdy, 35 points, 7 goals. And Kempe, 32 points, 11 goals. Here comes the fun part, trying to figure out what player is on his way out the door to Seattle. A lot of these guys are on entry-level contracts. I didn't dig in deep enough to see if they've read the service requirement of the 80 games over two seasons or 60 games over one season, right? some number like that, to see if uh, the entry-level guys are eligible to be taken off the roster. But I'm going to look at the older guys first. Um you got guys like Carter, thirty-five years old, eating up five and a quarter million dollars a year. Odds are they're not gonna take Carter, but you know, he might be one of the guys who goes unprotected. Same thing with Brown. Um, if they're looking at a younger man to be given up, uh, they got people like Martin Furk. <laughs> That's a funny last name, sorry, F R K. Um, dude only has two years left on his contract, he's making under a million dollars a year. Um, on defense, we got guys like Michael Anderson, who are super young. Yeah, but like I said, they can't protect every single defensive player, offensive player, whatever. I'm not saying he'll be the one to go, but you know he's super young. You know, very little space. Teams would look at him if he's unprotected. Uh, a lot of their defensive guys are young, and their oldest guy is 30 years old. And Dotty, and he's making $11 million a year. He'd be a pretty good target, but he's got a no movement clause, so that thing throws things out the door fairly quickly. The Ontario Reign are the minor league affiliate for the LA Kings. Their top five scorers this year are Martin Firk with 36 points, 23 goals. Blaine Byron, 34 points, 12 goals. Carl Grunstrom, 28 points with 12 goals. Mickey. Isseamont, 28 points with 12 goals. And Jarrett Anderson-Dolan, 28 points with 8 goals. So now I think it makes sense why Martin Frick is playing for LA. He did well enough to move up to the active roster for LA uh, and coming up from Ontario. So with him being up, we'll go down to the next man, Paul Ledoux, who scored 27 points on 9 goals. I really don't see anybody getting a call-up this year just for the fact that there's only two guys coming off the books and one of them, I think is probably going to be retained. So with that being said, uh, there's one spot to open up could be filled by a free agent because they still have just under $7 million of cap space. But if I had to pick two guys that would get their chance this year, um, Blaine Byron, he's still relatively young. You know, he was their second most points producer of the season. Um, and then Carl Grundstrom, very young, uh, he's got plenty of room to grow. I could see him maybe sitting for one more year and then getting his call up. If not being, you know, one of those healthy scratches that practices in the NHL, but doesn't really make his his mark until you know he gets his opportunity on the fourth or third line, something like that. Um, those are two of the guys that have an opportunity here. And looking at it, I forgot, Gundstrom had 28 points in only 40 games played. So that tells you he's he's getting up there with fewer games than most of his other guys. The only other guy with less games to play was Ferk, but we know he played 37 games and the guys call up to L.A. So um, that is my minor league predictions. And like normal, we go on to the goaltenders last. Quick, 34 years old, has just under $6 million a year for the next three seasons, and he's backed up by Cal Peterson, who is 25 years old, is just making under nine million or 900000 nine million nine hundred thousand a season. So with Quick as old as he is, this is his last contract. Um, he's probably going to be the mentor for Peterson, and then Peterson's going to cement himself as the next starter behind Quick probably within the next two years. They tend to do that where you take your goaltender and you cut back his workload and increase the backup's workload a little bit, and then you get it toward that backup becomes a starter, and that starter kind of fizzles out. Um, Peterson did play down in the minors this year for Ontario. Uh, he must have been playing well enough to get his call up because there was no injuries. So as I'm looking through the rest of these things, uh, he just played well enough to get his his chance where he played eight games for the Kings last season, won five of them. Well, he went five and three and had a little bit better of a GAA than Quick. Obviously, you know, Quick played for many more games and had much more opportunity to see things versus Peterson, who only played in eight games. Even though the team is fairly young, I still don't see them doing anything. I see them falling down to eighth place in the division this year, which leaves me for my next team, obviously the Sharks. They were eighth place this year. They could only go up if LA is going down, right? Last, but certainly not least, their top five scores this season were Meyer, 49 points, 22 goals. Kane, 47 points, 26 goals. Burns, 45 points, 12 goals. Carlson, 40 points, 6 goals. And Kocher, 39 points, 16 goals. A name or two that could be unprotected over this next expansion draft. Simic, 27 years old. He's not making a lot of money. You know, um, two and a quarter million. But that's a possible name that they'd leave unprotected. Um, I don't know how much time Ferraro has in the league, if he meets eligibility. But he's a possibility, young player, not even making a million dollars. Somebody that you can use as a building block on your defensive side. And then from the offensive side, you got people like the team captain, coacher, who's making eight million dollars a year, at the age of thirty-one. Yeah, he's the team captain, and you know he's putting up this past season in fifty-two games, thirty-nine points. But yeah, it depends on how they're looking to go. If they're willing to let a team captain go unprotected, or are they trying to cut some of the salary? I mean, they only have about $648,000 in salary cap space. So they're going to look for some way to open up some space. So let him go as a possibility. I'm not saying he will get picked, but I, we're not the GMs. We don't know what's going to happen. I, I could say Meyer is another name, but he's just too damn young. Only 23 years old, $6 million a season. And then on defense, you got Brent Burns. Everybody loves him. He's a fan favorite, you know, alternate captain and everything. The man's 35 years old, and he's also eating up $8 million a season. So it just depends. Are they trying to go to a younger route, or are they okay with what they're doing? I mean, they also have Eric Carlson, who's 29 years old, going to be 30 this next season, making $11.5 million. So he can easily, after coming back from injured reserve, slide right back up into that spot, and you literally – you, you let go of burns but Carlson's gonna be back there you're saving eight million dollars a season you could use that to fortify your defense again bring up different people or use it to resign um you know Melka Carlson or bring in a, a, a new free agent so I mean between coachier and burns that's 16 million dollars a season and not saying those are the guys I want gone or they will be gone. I'm just putting that out there. It's just, it depends on the team. If they're trying to go to a younger stand and call up younger guys or sign younger players, I see Burns being more of a gone type of man than Coach here, anyways, just because Coach here's 31, Burns is 35. Next up, we're going to travel from San Jose all the way to San Jose to visit the Barracuda. Their top five scorers this year are Maxim Latunov, 40 points, 12 goals. Jaden Halberwax, 35 points, 19 goals. Joachim Blitzfeld, 32 points, 16 goals. Johnny Brzezinski, 30 points, 14 goals. And Jeffrey Vile, 30 points, 13 goals. A little fun fact, the Barracuda were one time known as the Cleveland Barons, which were the minor league team for the the San Jose Sharks still. But uh, my buddy was friends with one of the players. Well, his family was. His teacher is the wife of the former coach of the Barons and all the way through the Barracuda. I don't know what year the guy retired and quit coaching, but he done it for many years. So I find that kind of cool. Um, anyways, if I had to take a stab at any of these guys, I do have a possibility for having a call up. Um, cause you know, there's a couple guys on their way out the door, both Carlson and Thornton are free agents this season. Thornton, is getting old four years. Uh, I think it's about time. He calls it a career. I don't see him coming back unless they do it, just as a "hey, you're our friend" type of thing. You've been here forever, um, you know. Take another minor, minor contract or minimum contract and stay here to just be a depth guy or something. Or, anyways, so I can see Thornton and Carlson being on that their way out the door. And if they don't fill in with another major leaguer from somewhere, uh, Maxim Lutanov and Jaden Haljbeck's Help Jack back. I, I don't speak Saskatchewan. Anyways, uh, these two guys have possibilities of getting their call-ups uh, Maxim had played 50 games and Jaden had played 55. So they're relatively similar uh, Jaden has a few more goals, but Maxim has a few more assists. So um, You know, there's intangibles there uh, things, you know, I do how many Plays do they create? You know, or what, what can they do as players that we don't get to see on a stat sheet to help out the team? So again Uh, I mean, it fits well, too. The two guys, Carlson and Thornton, are both center and left wing, respectively. So, or excuse me, Thornton's the center, Carlson's the left wing. Uh, These guys both fall in that category. However, a lot of forwards could play multiple forward positions, wing and center. Um, Hell, you even got some defensive guys that could come up and play forward. I've seen it very seldom. But anyways, those are my two predicted guys that have a possibility of getting a call up if the Barracuda aren't used to fill in a spot for, excuse me, if San Jose Sharks don't fill in a spot with uh, current NHL players. And as usual, the goaltenders, Jones is locked in for the next four seasons, more than likely, 30 years old, five and three quarter million dollars, he ain't going anywhere. Their backup, Dell, 30 years old, unrestricted free agent um, coming up, possibility of being re-signed and staying with the team. However... If they don't decide to re-sign Dell as a backup or they don't go out to get another NHL goaltender to be a backup, um, which I think they will. It seems to me like these goaltenders here in San Jose, Barracuda, are a little bit under-seasoned and need some time to grow and progress. I mean, their stats really don't stand out. Their number one guy, Coronar, he's got a under 90% save percentage, and he's got 311 GAA, and then their next two guys... Our 3.71 GAA, 2.87 GAA. I, I don't see any of these goaltenders getting their call up this season. Um, I'm just going to say Dell is probably going to be re-signed or they're going to bring in another goaltender from another team to fill in the void uh, until one of these guys is ready to start making their way up at the depth chart to the National Hockey League. So that was a review of the Western Conference Pacific Division of the National Hockey League. My prediction for next season, after thinking about it a little bit, I have the Oilers taking first, the Knights taking second, my surprise team, the Sharks. They're going to come back up to third place. Following up by the Flames at four, Canucks at five, Ducks at six, Coyotes at seven, and the Kings drop down one spot to eight. Just like hockey, my podcast has three segments. We're starting to get to that final piece where we're running out of content, but we fill in the last couple minutes of random thoughts, things, you know, whatever people want to talk about. You guys email me or tweet me, and we're going to fill these last segments with what you guys want to hear about. One piece is going to be called Offsides. All right, that's where we talk about what you, the fans, want to hear. Um, there's going to be Two Minutes for Tripping. That's where we collaborate and find some crazy, absurd story on the internet, and we discuss that. You know, kind of like a couple years ago, was the dress really blue or gold or green, whatever it was? I still don't know. I still don't care. All right. And then another thing is one of my buddies suggested how about I talk about some rules of hockey? You know, people watch it, and then there's new fans who really don't know what the icing is or what's an offsides or things of that nature. So that's what we're going to start filling up the last segment with. And um, we'll go from there. And again, this last segment is for you, the fans. You guys submit what you want to hear about, talk about whatever, and that will be in the final segment. And hopefully one day we'll get enough content that I can take everything you guys want to talk about and put that throughout the entire show. Thank you so much. So, like I would said, my buddy suggested I put what are some of the rules and penalties and things of that nature of hockey and other sports in the podcast. And then he said, how about you start off with icing? Because a lot of new fans don't know what happens. All they know is they see the puck travel all the way down ice and they hear a whistle play gets called. So, in ice hockey, icing is an infraction that occurs when a player shoots the puck across the red line from behind it. it. Goes across the center red line and all the way back to the goal line without being touched by an offensive or defensive player. You'll hear a whistle and then there's a face-off in the team that committed the infractions defensive zone Oh, and by the way, you don't get to change out your forwards or defensemen So if they were tired before they're gonna have to do a little bit extra work to get off the ice This week's two minutes for tripping segment is going to be about the stimulus package Americans are supposed to be receiving now I'm not sure how true this all is, but I was told that lower-income families had already begun to receive their stimulus Um, And then the more money you made, the longer you had to wait because you didn't need it as bad. All right, that's cool. So anyways, my question is, how do you plan to spend your $1,200? Or if you have a family, your $2,500, whatever the number is. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. Um, So what do you guys plan on doing with it? You got to pay bills. Are you going to put it away into a retirement or savings account? Are you going to use it for a little bit of fun? Maybe you were essential and you were still working and making your normal money. So now this is just a little hey, here's a little fun money for me and the family. I personally I'm at Fort Hood like I'd said. So I can't really do nothing with it. So I'm gonna pay off some of my student loans and my personal loan I have out. But you know, that's just me. I would like to know I would like to know what you guys are doing with your money. And if you don't want to respond, that's cool. But you know, that's and then I'm curious how do you guys feel though about Americans only receiving twelve hundred dollars when things like the Kennedy um, Fine Arts Center was getting a twenty-five million dollar package, only for five million dollars to be donated to the Democratic Party, and then the other twenty, I don't know what happened to it. And then they laid off all their workers. You know. So with that all being said, should Americans received more? Should there have never been a package set up? What should, in your opinion, what should have happened? You know. I know it's not a sports topic. Well, like I said, that's why students for tripping figure out what's going on through everyone's head in the big topic in America. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate your input. This week on Slapshots, the big topics are going to be should Major League Baseball follow through with the possibility of using the Cactus and Grapefruit Leagues as their normal league? So they're going to realign all the divisions into what they are in the Cactus and the Grapefruit Leagues, and then they're going to play a no spectators season up until cleared by the government that they can return. Um, I want to know how you guys would feel about this. The downside to me is you start them in that division, and then if they go back to normal, then suddenly the, the division changes back to, you know, the the central for an AL would be, you know, Indians, Tigers, Royals, White Sox, and Twins. But they would have started over, you know, like the Reds, Indians, and Dodgers, and Diamondbacks all would have been in the same division to start. So how do, you, how do you move that over, and then how do you realign the schedule and stuff of that nature? Because MLB would have to sit there and redo their entire schedule. But anyways, that's just, like I said, how do you guys feel about that? And then uh, there was a little, little birdie somewhere I saw on NHL.com that said they, too, might finish out their season, And then go into the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to do the last um, nine games, depending on however many games their team played. You know, There were still nine, 10, 11 games left, depending on your team. So uh, would they do the rest of the season? Would they do half the season remaining and then go into the playoffs? Or would they just cut it short and start the playoffs from that day? Um, So I want to know how you guys feel. Should baseball follow through with starting the season in May? And do the grapefruit and cactus leagues. And should hockey follow through with ending the season and going into the playoffs, or should they let the last couple games play out and then go into the playoffs? That's that's a big one because you got teams right outside the wild card knocking on the door trying to get their way in. So we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But that's this week's Slap shots. I almost forgot. You can reach me on Twitter at between underscore pipes 20 or my email address will be between the pipes two zero at gmail.com. Submit your questions, comments, concerns there, and I will get back to them in next week's episode. It looks like it's that time, everybody. I got to get the Zamboni driver in here to smooth out the ice. It's been a rough first episode. A lot of stop and go, a lot of editing, a lot of stopping, waiting a couple hours to come back and record or a day later. Because, you know, with everything going on, I can't just sit down and put an episode together. I have to keep going and doing fun things with the Army, like going to a class on 670-1 that tells me what I can and can't wear, my regulations, and how i got to have my hair cut and shaved, and a bunch of little tedious things that we have to do every week because we aren't allowed to go overseas yet. And then next week, we're going to talk about the NHL Western Conference Central Division. So, be prepared. The same thing. Stats, numbers, salary cap it's gonna be like that for the next couple weeks until we can get you know the, the season review out of way and lastly i'd like to give one more shout out to kid squabs for the intro music and my good buddy drew valori for creating the cover art of my podcast if you or anybody you know is looking for cover art for your album Go ahead and check them out at atlascoverart.com. He's got pre-made album covers, and he can customize one for you. With all that being said, if you can't be on the ice, make sure your beer is. Stay safe and have a great week, everybody.